African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, good morning. Welcome to African Dialogue, right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, and the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to Channel Africa right now on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today on our program, we'll look at a South African story. Uh, South Africa is launching its first national sex worker HIV prevention and treatment program. We'll find out what's that about. Let's first get our news on Ellen Zinzi standing by. And looking at your headlines. Up to 150 people have been killed by Boko Haram in Nigeria North last week, which dismisses widespread reports that 2,000 people had died. The number of Boko Haram members killed by Cameroonian troops rises to 143, and presidential elections in Sudan to take place as planned with or without the participation of opposition parties. The Nigerian government says up to 150 people have been killed by Boko Haram in the country's north last week and dismisses widespread reports that 2,000 people had died. Defense Minister Aliyu Gusar says without any doubt, terrible atrocities had been committed against innocent Nigerians in Baga, but the higher death toll being reported were the result of speculations. He says the figures of 150 dead determined from surveillance and investigation included many dead terrorists. Local officials have reported since Thursday last week that the militant group had attacked more than a dozen villages in the region. The government of Cameroon says its army's killings of 143 Boko Haram fighters is the biggest defeat it has inflicted on the Nigerian militant group to date. The insurgents were killed yesterday after they attacked a military camp in Kolofata in the north of Cameroon. The military initially said 33 Boko Haram fighters had died in the more than five hours of fighting. Government spokesperson Issa Chiroma Bakari says the battle ended after the army bombed the attackers, forcing them to retreat to the Nigerian border. Cameroon lost one soldier. 
The authorities in Republic of the Sudan have announced that presidential elections will take place as planned with or without the participation of opposition parties. Already Sudan's leading political group, National Uma Party, has said it, it will not participate in the elections. James Shimanyula has more. Mariam Sadiq El-Mahdi said the opposition has boycotted the election because again, as she put it in her statement, participating in such polls is a waste of time. To get another clear picture of presidential election in Republic of the Sudan, the vice president of the opposition, National Uma Party, Major General Fadalla Sadlama Bouma Nasser. We are not participating because we think that the election is not the main issue to solve the problem of the Sudan. Certainly, the commission of the election, the question of the Sudan, the question of war, the question of uh, instability, the financial problems. Police fired tear gas at demonstrators trying to protest against a parliamentary debate on a proposed census in the Democratic Republic of Congo. If approved, this could delay next year's elections. Under the Constitution, President Joseph Kabila will not be able to stand in the 2016 ballot. Critics say the government plans to insist on a census ahead of any vote might enable him to prolong his hold on office. The situation in Congo is being closely followed after a move by Burkina Faso's President Blaise Compaore last year to extend his own time in office led to mass rallies that swiftly forced him to flee. Some of his allies have called for the constitution to be revised to allow him to stand in a third election. Finally, South African Department of Home Affairs launched a crackdown on illegal South Africans' passport holders intending to enter or leave Zimbabwe through the Bay Bridge border post. The operation, according to these reports, which started on New Year's Day, mainly targets Zimbabweans who are in possession of South African travel documents after having allegedly acquired national ID fraudulently. Home Affairs Department spokesperson in South Africa, Michael Michuete. Well, the feedback I've got is that it's going quite well, and it's not necessarily a, an influx of, of, of people coming in and committing fraudulent activity. It's um, a festive season volume, and in this festive season, you must, um, you know, guard, guard against any abuses that might happen during this period. So this is why we are on, on heightened alert, and that approach is going as good as it can be going so far. And recapping on your top stories, up to 150 people have been killed by Boko Haram in Nigeria's north last week, dismissing widespread reports that 2,000 people had died. The number of Boko Haram members killed by Cameroonian troops rises to 143, and presidential elections in Sudan to take place as planned with or without the participation of opposition parties. Channel Africa News. Hi, I'm Gosaza Nadlamini Zuma, the chairperson of the African Union Commission. Ebola in Guinea, Liberia and Sierra Leone is causing untold suffering and loss of life. Despite these odds, we are inspired by the courage of the people, the efforts of the governments and the heroism of health workers and volunteers. 
it gives us hope and fills us with determination that we can stop Ebola. You can avoid Ebola, you can recover from Ebola, and you can contribute to the fight against Ebola. The African Union and member state countries have deployed health workers and volunteers to stop Ebola, but more is needed. You and I can make a difference. SMS Stop Ebola to the number 7979 and donate at least $1 in your local currency to Stop Ebola. You can also donate through the website www.africaagainstebola.org. With your donation, we can send a thousand or more health workers to the affected countries. United, we can stop Ebola. Asante San, Mesibuku, Zikomo, Obrigado, Ni Itumezi, Thank You, Siabonga. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember that particular campaign. You can also go to our website if you want to find out more about it, uh, the Ebola campaign that is headed by the African Union. Go to www.channelafrica.org and we as citizens can actually be involved in uh, making sure that uh, we contribute to fighting Ebola. Well, today we are looking at the launch of the first national sex worker HIV Prevention Treatment Program. This is a South African story. The South African National AIDS Council, or SENEC, yesterday launched this particular program in Johannesburg. However, government has come out blazing uh, with uh, telling uh, basically a sex workers meeting that legalizing the sex trade is out of question. Now, to look at this particular program, we have on the line Joe Rousseau, who is the networking, who's, who's from the networking HIV AIDS community of South Africa, also known as Nakosa. Joe, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me to speak about this great program. Uh, tell us, what is this program all about? People are really asking about it. Why is it that uh, we are actually launching it now, uh, especially in this time in the history of our country in South Africa? Uh, We've, there's been sex work programs in South Africa for a while. SWET has been instrumental in uh, doing sex work programs uh, since uh, many years back. Um, but but a while back, uh, we, we to, to fight HIV and AIDS, um, people started to realize that you have to focus on areas where HIV and AIDS is concentrated. Otherwise, you won't actually affect uh, the epidemic in South Africa. So, so people started to realize that we need to actually focus on key populations. So, Joe, tell us a little bit, uh, what is this uh, program all about? Uh, what is the National Sex Worker HIV Prevention and Treatment Program on a practical level? Okay, on a practical level, um, we, we started this program uh, uh, 2010. Uh, it's been running for a few years. It, it was now upscaled recently. Uh, it's a global fund-sponsored program. So what we do is we, we are a peer-led combination prevention program. That means it, it's difficult to access sex workers. They are a hidden population. They're, they're marginalized often. So to access them and provide services needed, uh, psychosocial and biomedical services, you need to do it through a peer-led model. So, so we 
two and a half years ago, there was only 80 peer educators at a few sites. Currently, we have over 70 sites nationally in every province. There are sites where uh, up to 560 budgeted peer motivators or educators go out into the communities, meet with sex workers, uh, distribute condoms, uh, talk about HIV and AIDS. There's also a component of uh, HIV testing and, and, and as well as we do risk reduction workshops where sex workers can come together and, and meet each other and talk about the risk that they experience and ways to prevent risk. Risk can be anything from HIV AIDS infections to violence and those things. So it's a great platform for sex workers to, to form social capital as well. Online, I just saw um, a report that was stating that HIV affects sex workers largely. 60% of uh, sex workers are HIV positive. Can you elaborate on this? Uh, yeah, the, as a key population, they, they are the highest affected by HIV and AIDS. Uh, other key populations, MSM, uh, many of sex with men, people in jet rights are very high, but uh, sex workers are, are disproportionately the highest infected with HIV and AIDS. So if you actually want to have an impact on the epidemic of, uh, of HIV and AIDS in South Africa, you have to focus on sex workers in providing risk reduction and uh, all those types of support to them. Mm. And also, I'm sure they have many challenges as well. Uh, in the same report, I read that uh, many of them have uh, uh, the main concern that uh, some of their, uh, uh, the, the people that who actually they, they deal with on a daily basis do not want to use condoms, and that's one of their main challenges. Uh, I, I've never heard of a sex worker not wanting to use a condom. There's, there's not sex, not sex that, workers themselves, but them. uh, not Sorry? sex workers themselves, Joe, but their clients. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so with the clients, uh, that that's often the case. Clients would uh, pay more to not have sex with condoms. So, so a big part that we must focus on in the future is client uh, uh, risk reduction, focusing on clients and, and increasing their knowledge. So, so, so often sex workers are. Uh, are prompted by clients that the clients would either threaten maybe violence or pay more for sex without the condoms. And these clients often go home to their families and, and that. So, so it is a big risk. Mm. Now, I, I want to look at the issue of uh, the program itself. Has it been effective? You highlighted that it's been a long-going uh, process. And what makes this launch specifically important now from yesterday? Is there anything that's going to alter with this particular program? Are we going to see areas improving? Uh, this program, the grant for the current program is two and a half years. It started October uh 2013, this current phase of the grant, we upscaled massively. If you look at uh, uh, the word is um, accessibility, uh, two, three years ago there wasn't the accessibility for sex worker-focused services that we have today. Uh, Nowadays in every province, uh, most of the 70 sites where there was only a few sites. So so in terms of accessibility of specialized uh, services, that has been greatly improved. Uh, there's also, um, when you work with sex workers, you need to also build trust with them as a hidden population often. 
So, so we, we've started to build that trust. So, so accessing sex workers and providing HIV-type services and also risk reduction services and psychosocial services is also improved. Um, this program, as all programs, it, it is growing, and, and we're lo- always looking for improvements, uh, such as the one I just mentioned, maybe looking at the clients in the future, how we can uh, educate them in terms of condom use. Uh, they're, they're, so there's always rooms for improvement. Uh, but also this program, um, uh, it, it's, we're, we're currently, the Global Fund funded program is currently 19 different organizations so across the country. So, so, so it's a diverse group of um, organizations from research institutions to very community-based. So, so it's also any changes to the program that's also uh, work across different platforms. Oh, we're going to take a little break and we're going to continue with you, Joe, looking at some of the other areas that have to do with this uh, particular uh, program. I know there's a conversation right now in terms of decriminalizing sex uh, work in South Africa. Uh, there's a big debate around that. So we'll speak about that uh, when we come back after this break. The time right now is almost 17 minutes past 11 o'clock. Central African time, you're with me, Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to African Dialogue, right here on Channel Africa. Uh, in terms of uh, your country, I know that uh, we're broadcasting to different African uh, countries. In terms of uh, the way that uh, we deal with sex workers, do you think that we should legalize uh, sex jobs in our various countries on the continent? What is your view when it comes uh, to that element? You can SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. That's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero. We want to hear your views. South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, this is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today we're looking at a, a South African story, looking at a health story today on African Dialogue. The South African National AIDS Council of Senegal yesterday launched the first national sex worker HIV prevention and treatment program in Johannesburg. I'm sure it's going to be a national program. And there's been conversation that's been taking place looking at uh, the newspaper today on Sueton, uh, which is a South African newspaper paper on the page six we've got a story that says blow to move uh, to legalize sex jobs in the country and just a headlining administer says a prostitution has negative impact and it starts by saying move to decriminalize sex work may come to note if comments by deputy minister of justice john jeffrey are anything to go by yesterday jeffrey told a meeting in johannesburg to address hiv infection 
infection among sex workers that decriminalizing sex work could have negative consequences for the country. Joe, um, your views on uh, this particular aspect by the minister, do you th- this deputy minister, do you think that uh, it is actually uh, a, a factual uh, point that he's making? Uh, I can't remember him saying that. Uh, all, I, all I remember is that uh, they said the Legal Reform Commission uh, will, will uh, soon uh, publish their, their position paper, which would then inform a, a national debate on the issue of uh, legal reform of uh, sex work. I think that legal reform is uh, the uh, important issue as uh, the criminalization Pure criminalization of sex work has negative consequences. So, so there are many options. Um, we will see what the, what the legal re, uh, commission's report says. What do we talk, What are we talking about there when we're talking about legal reform? Can you elaborate on that, Joe? Uh, there, there are many models being used. Uh, the, the one is partial decriminalization, which uh, that is uh, the Swedish model per se, where only the man is criminalized, or, or not the man, the person who buys the sex, and, and people selling sex is seen as uh, victims. That is the Swedish model uh, of partial decriminalization. If you look at, um, I think, Brazil and New Zealand, and I think maybe Australia, you, uh, they've got the decriminalization where it is um, all laws making it illegal have been removed. Uh, and if you look at some other countries, they've got uh, legalization where, uh, where, where the, the, the sex work is more regulated, which is almost similar to decriminalization, but not quite. What is interesting, mm. though, about this, uh, if you look at South Africa, uh, there has been a great shift uh, in attitudes in the World Value Survey, the latest released one last year, uh, shows that uh, while uh, in 2005 to 2009, only 56% of uh, South Africa said that sex work is never justifiable. That has dropped significantly to 33% in the latest survey. So, so South Africa is currently in, uh, it seems, the, in the top 10 countries that have the most favorable attitudes towards sex work on the World Value Survey scale, the latest released one. And we are the only country in that that is criminalized. Some of the countries it's legalized and partially legalized. So that's quite interesting. Well, in South Africa, it is a reality. I mean, uh, you know, sex work is something that has become uh, just almost like a norm in our society in South Africa. In terms of the reality of it, not not to say let's condone it, uh, in terms of the reality of it, from your perspective, Joe, how do you think that we should deal with this? I think that uh, Sasonke and Swet are doing great uh, work in terms of advocating for, uh, for for the decriminalization and, and uh, legal reform is necessary if we really want to make an impact into this epidemic. Uh, we have to look at uh, the options available and, and how that would affect it. And, um, yeah, if you look at the latest research that, that is happening, uh, shows that criminalization of sex work as a... Uh, uh, if, if, you, if you decriminalize or do legal reform, 
on sex work that, that you can actually reduce new infections greatly. We don't have the exact amount, but, but it's an important intervention needed if you want to reduce uh, interven- uh, uh, infections. Yes, you've been talking about Sisonke and now the National Coordinator for Sisonke Sex Worker Movement is joining us on the line, Koli Butelezi. Koli, thank you for joining us. Um, hi, uh, no, it's not Koli, it's actually Tuli. I'm the provincial coordinator for Well, is it Tuli? Yes. Okay, Tuli, thank you for joining us. Now, in terms of uh, uh, this particular program that we're trying to, we've actually established what it is, but in terms, we're now at the point where we're talking about uh, the issue of the conversation of uh, legalizing sex jobs in the country. What is Sisonke's view in terms of this? Okay, I was asking you, uh, in terms of the issue of legalizing sex work in South Africa, what's Sisonke's stand in that? Um, we would like, as Sisonke, we actually love to see sex work being decriminalized. The reason being is that um, at the moment sex work is criminalized, and that uh, puts sex workers in a lot of um, uh, spaces that they find themselves vulnerable. They find themselves being abused not only by the police but by the community themselves and their clients. And this is because of the criminalization of sex work at the moment in South Africa. So we believe that if it is decriminalized, it will make it will be a better space for sex workers to work since we know that in South Africa we have limited job opportunities and uh, people need to feed their families. So we too want uh, decriminalization of sex work to take place. And does Sisonke welcome the uh, National Sex Worker HIV Prevention and Treatment Program? What's your view on it? Um, well, we, as you know, that sex work is like it's conducted by doing sex, and we know that sex is one of the main drivers of the HIV epidemic. So um, we believe that the program so has to work with one and. Now, in terms of with your work, what are the main challenges that we're finding uh, sex workers facing on a daily basis? Uh, could you highlight some of the main issues right now, especially when it comes to this issue of HIV AIDS? Um, when it comes to each issue of my HIV and AIDS, you find that it's not sex workers. I mean, a sex worker will never go to a client and say, can we not use a condom today? But it's those people who are uneducated, who actually want to come and um, try and um, buy sex workers and give them more money to not use a condom, which we're also trying to say, as sex workers, we should try and not do that because it's our bodies and it's our lives and it's also our health. Um, it's also our health here. So this program for us, those are the most issues that we face and also abuse. If I was sex workers harassed by police officers, police officers will actually ask sex workers for, um, for sexual favors if they don't want to be um, arrested. And some of those police officers will not actually want to use a condom. Or even clients that And how do you deal with those situations, Tuli? Um, for some kind of regular life, um, we're trying to fight for the rights of sex workers. So we try as much as we can to link the up with 
with um, CCC's uh, technical extension that they thought are actually um, where they can talk to where they can talk to police officers so should take up cases and when sex work related. Because when you go to a police station and you come and say you're a sex worker, that itself uh, you stigmatized and the police officers don't know actually what to do with the case. So sometimes they believe that a sex worker can never be raped because she, she or he is still in space. So we try and go to police stations and we talk to the station commanders to say, can you have somebody who is actually well equipped and sympathized about sex work? It's very complicated, it seems. Joe, uh, in terms of defending the rights of sex workers when it's illegal doing the work mm-hmm. itself, I'm sure, uh, Joe, coming back to you, I'm sure that's where the complication comes in terms of uh, preserving and maintaining their human rights. Your views, Joe Rousseau? Uh Yeah, human rights protection and the human rights base is important uh, to this program. Uh, Especially due to the criminalized context that uh, that that we are assisting sex workers in, so, so uh, human rights abuse uh, against sex workers is, is very rough. Uh, we've got uh, peer motivators across the country. Uh, we've trained several peer motivators also across the country as human rights defenders. Uh, so so they also can assist. So it has a very um, popular national helpline as well. Where if there are abuses that um, that 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 the sex sex workers can phone the upline and get assistance and referrals. Uh, so 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 in terms of the program, that is one of the the, the functions that the program looks at: that the human rights issue. Uh, uh, how can we promote sex workers' rights? So so yeah, that's very important. Uh, we also do or sweat does. Uh, the sensitization training as well to police and uh, and other organizations that, that need sensitization training because uh, in terms of access to services uh, that, 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 that sex workers have a human right to, uh, it's sometimes difficult for, for to, to access that. So there's also a need for sensitization. Well, we're going to take one more break and then we're going to wrap up the conversation. I'm speaking uh, to Tuli from uh, uh, the Sisonke Sex uh, Worker Movement and also I've got Joe Rousseau who is from the Networking HIV AIDS Community of South Africa. We'll just wrap it up when we come back after the break. The time right now is 11.30. What are your views in terms of legalizing uh, sex work in our various countries on the continent? Do you think it's a good idea? SMS us on plus two seven eight two three. Three two five nine zero five. We'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
as we heard earlier from our guest Joe Rousseau, sometimes or most of the time sex workers are marginalized in society and actually they do experience some uh, hard situations and as we were talking earlier on a lot of their rights are infringed even by uh, people who are supposed to protect them like the police and uh, right now we're speaking about an area that affects them which is the issue of HIV and uh, the South African National AIDS Council has launched the National Sex Worker HIV Prevention and Treatment Program. It was launched yesterday in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we're speaking about this particular program. But uh, I just want to wrap it up in terms of looking at uh, uh, just moving forward, Joe, uh, in terms of support from the public, support from the police, and also from the health facilities in the country. How do we support this particular program as a normal citizens, even though we might not be sex workers ourselves, but how do we make sure that this program itself is pushed forward? I think in terms of um, there's not just uh, one organization implementing a program uh, that, 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 that seeks to, to support sex, sex workers' rights and that uh, I think uh, it, it is a collective approach so, so all role players have to come together, with which happened now yesterday. Um, so, so there has been good cooperation. There's obviously room for improvement, uh, maybe on local levels, uh, where, where, where sometimes uh, sex workers might have uh, difficulty accessing services. But I think a lot is happening, and uh, there's lots of great advocacy happening and public opinion uh uh, hopefully can change uh, to consider that, that sex workers have rights just as everybody else, uh, which should be respected, and that, uh, that, that this discrimination against sex workers is one of the issues that uh, is fueling our HIV-AIDS epidemic. Well, coming back to you, Tuli, in terms of that issue, how do we as a collective, not just uh, as uh, uh, civil society organizations, but as a whole, how do we uh, actually buy into such a program? I think what we can do as a society, we can, people must stop stigmatizing and discriminating against other people. I mean, my choice of work should not cost me my life. I should be protected like every other citizen in this country since I am a citizen myself. So we believe that um, people should now come together and just love one another. I mean, you, you, you only see me as a sex worker on the, on the street, but then if I'm sitting in a sex next to you or in a conference next to you, you don't know who I am. So why would you judge me if I'm now going to see me in the street? So I think just loving one another and actually trying to protect each other as a community and talking about issues that face all of us in one in one voice, such things can help. Uh, and in my final question, in terms of sex workers themselves, even within this, mm-hmm. that, that community itself, um, I'm sure they have a role of actually protecting each other as well and creating an awareness amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. What's your view on that, Julie? Um, yes, like Joe said, within the program, the the when I'm in a program, what 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 when they were recruiting peer educators, you know, basically sex, some of some of the peer educators are sex workers themselves who go out and spread the word, the word of condom use, hygiene, and if you're on treatment, how to actually adhere to the treatment and things like that. So I think the program helps because if it's someone who understands 
where I'm coming from and the background that I, I, I have, if the, the message actually gets through easier and in a better way. So I think the way the program is going, for me, the message would actually go, get through to sex workers because it's other sex workers who, who have been empowered. So to say one condom, one round, or if you're on treatment, take treatment on time. Make sure that you, you don't... Um, you, you, you don't um, you make sure that you take your, your treatment. So those kind of things, I think those are things that help. Well, thank you so much to Tudi from Sisonke Sex Worker Movement. Also, thank you to Joe Rousseau from the Networking HIV AIDS Community of South Africa. Thank you both for joining us here on the program. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So much. Uh, it's great to see that uh, the South African government is doing something or a council such as the South African National AIDS Council is actually doing something with this particular program called the National Sex Worker HIV and Treatment Program. And there's a big conversation that's taking place, as was highlighted by Joe Rousseau, in terms of uh, the legal aspects of uh, uh, sex jobs or, you know, in the country. Do you think this should be legalized? Uh, sex work. What's your view? Let us know by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. You can even let us know why not, and also you can tell us if you advocated why you think that should happen. But right now we're gonna just uh, move on to a song uh, before we move on to our economics news. No, please and please, I just did by your presence, girl, I broke my frame It's a, not the loss on your name to blame Black love, that's a type that has no shame No drugs are needed, but we on the heart Can you feel it, touching and feeling I say, it's a must, we be heated Constantly peel it, close off our back when we chillin' Fast on, louder, close and blind so quickly Yeah, and girl, I know that it's been so damn Without your love And now that I have it I know I won't let go Without your love And go I know that it's been so damn long Without your love And now that I have it I know I won't let go So just call me
You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance that is uh, freshly ground with the fire is low. And that takes us uh, to 11.45. Wisani Matebula is standing by to give us our economics news. Good morning, Benjamin. Security Solutions firm Securex West Africa has shifted from cash to smart card purchase of fuel and lubricants. In a deal with Total Kenya, Securex staff will use Bon Voyage fuel cards in any of the fuel retail 177 outlets across the region. Securex Chief Finance Officer Daryl Azavedo says that with so many vehicles on the road in different locations, the Bon Voyage card allows them to control and manage fueling. He says they will also be able to use the card for their operations in Tanzania, Rwanda and Uganda. Eco-Atlantic Oil and Gas has decreased its near-to-mid-term financial obligations by leasing out part of its offshore Namibian licenses to carry and cash through its uh, wholly-owned subsidiary Eco-Oil and Gas. The company has struck an agreement with the Azinem Limited, amending and restating the terms of the farm-out agreement made in 2012 between the two parties. South African Power Utility ESCOM says it's managing to keep the lights on despite a spike in demand with businesses coming back on the line after the festive season. Losing money fast and facing a massive funding gap it's pleading with consumers to cut down on electricity. The power utility has embarked on an aggressive drive to clamp down on cable theft, which costs more than 4 billion rands a year. ESCOM spokesperson Kulu Pasiwe. Next week, it's also going to be dependent on, on how the system um, or how the, the generators uh, um, operate. If we don't have any outages, then the system will, will, be, uh, will be operating optimally and the risk of load shedding will be reduced uh, substantially. But if we do have uh, outages or breakdowns, then it means that uh, we will be closer to load shedding or at some point maybe we will implement load shedding. So far, though, there are no projections or uh, plans to, to implement load shedding. 
Meanwhile, electricity disruptions in South Africa have uh, begun to affect manufacturing and the steel and engineering industries federation says production saw a 1% decline between October and November last year. Saves us chief economist Hank Langehoven says uh, the cumulative effect of production disruptions amounted to a 2.5% contraction in 2014 compared to 2013. Langenhoven says more electricity-intensive sub-industries experienced notable losses. Global brewer Heineken is betting on uh, Ethiopia's rising incomes to fuel rapid expansion of the beer uh, market in Africa's second most populous country, where the group is the first of the big international brewers to build a new plant. Ethiopia's average annual beer consumption of some five liters per capita is about half the average level for sub-Saharan Africa, excluding South Africa, and it offers a scope for expansion among the population. Heineken's African and Middle East regional President Sieb Himestra says that Ethiopians were used to fermented drinks and also grew barley used in beer making. Financial indicators say the dollar at a 11.50 South African rands, 9.5 Botswana pulas, and 6.52 against the Zambian kwacha. It's also at 0.65 against the British pound and at 0.84 comparing with the euro commodities gold $1,235 platinum $1,239 a fine house moving on now to Brent crude oil at $46.43 per barrel that's your economics news for now Mr. Makura joins us to give us our sports now. Today, sports fans and starting off with football news. Beginner Faso are seeking to recreate the magic of their giant killing run to the last Africa Cup of Nations final by training in Nelspruit, South Africa before they head to Equatorial Guinea later this week for the 2015 edition. Beginner Faso spent almost the entire 2013 Nations Cup in Bomalanga, playing all three of their group matches at Mbombela Stadium where they eliminating defending champion Zambia and then beating both Togo and Ghana in the quarterfinal and semi-final before moving on to Soccer City in Johannesburg for the final where Nigeria defeated them by a goal to nil. Two years later, they have returned to South Africa to train in the city which they consider a lucky charm and on Saturday's warm-up game against Swaziland, they defeated them by a goal to one. Burkina Faso came, for, uh, rather, they will now meet Botswana at the same venue on Wednesday before concluding their preparations and heading north of Equatorial Guinea. Cape Verde coach Ru Achies believes his size 3-2 victory 
over Congo this past weekend was a moral booster ahead of the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations tournament. The Portuguese coach emphasized that the match was a worthwhile exercise despite the long distance traveled and fatigue suffered by his team and their trip from Lisbon, where they were in camp, to Dakar for the encounter against Congo. The Blue Sharks found themselves two goals down against the Red Devils, but surged to a 3-2 win. Congo coach Claude Leroy, meanwhile, was disappointed to see his side let slip a two-goal advantage, but praised Cape Verde as a great team that is very dangerous in transition from defence to attack. Cape Verde, who have remained in Senegal since that match, will depart later today to fly directly to Equatorial Guinea. The first match of the tournament is against Tunisia on the 18th of January in Ibayin. And so on AFCON News, the CAF Africa Cup of Nations Group B has Tunisia and Cape Verde as favourites to win the group and go all the way. Tunisia are known as the Carthage Eagles under the guidance of Belgium coach Georgis Likens, who will be coaching in Africa in the Africa Cup of Nations tournament for the first time. Tunisia are ranked 22nd in the world and are the number two on the continent. The Carthage Eagles were knocked out of the group stages in the 2013 Cup of Nations in South Africa. Tunisia's best player is Yusuf Meskina and he plans his trade for Qatar Stars League club called Liken SC. Still on football news, Real Madrid forward Cristiano Ronaldo has won the Ballon d'Or Award Footballer of the Year Award for the second year in a row. The Portugal captain beat Barcelona forward Lionel Messi and Bayern Munich goalkeeper Manuel Neuer to the award. Ronaldo successfully defended his World Player of the Year status convincingly with 37.66% of all votes, winning for a third time. Barcelona and Argentine counterpart Lionel Messi, who won four years in a row, until Ronaldo beat him last year, was second on 15.76%. He was nearly ahead of Bayern Munich and Germany keeper Manuel Neuer, who had 15.72%. Ronaldo did say that he was a worthy winner. I was hope that I have good chance, but um, the beginning when they, they mentioned the name, the heart started to beat fast and adrenaline. It's, it's, it's a hard moment, to be honest. But I think I, I deserve, Neuer deserve too and Messi, but this year, last year I deserve more. The annual Kenya Sports Personality of the Year Awards, the Soya Ceremony for the Year 2014, will be held on Friday this week at the Kenyatta International Conference Center in Nairobi. The Soya Awards, whose title sponsor is mobile telecommunications giant Safaricom, are used to recognize and honor successful top sportsmen and women in Kenya for the whole year's engagements. China Africa's Francis Motegi is in Nairobi, Kenya, and filed this report. The biggest award to an individual this time is being fought for by world marathon record holder Dennis Kimeto and Commonwealth Games javelin champion Julius Yego, among others. World half marathon record holder Florence Kiplagat is also in the running for the award, as well as Norway-based Kenyan goalkeeper Arnold Origi. Kimeto broke the world record at the Berlin Marathon with a time of 2 hours, 2 minutes and 57 seconds to become the first man to run a marathon in under 2 hours and 3 minutes. And finally, a fantastic drive on the second day of the so-called marathon stage. Stages without service assistance saw Hanal de Villiers and German navigator Dirk van Zosis post the fourth fastest time of 2 
hours 49 minutes and 13 seconds behind overall rally leader Nasi al Atia. This places them solidly in second position overall after eight stages of the 2015 Dakar rally just behind al Atia. Here's Hanel de Villiers complaining about the altitude. It was a pretty tough stage, the marathon stage, uh, especially yesterday with the altitude. Um, it was a very physical stage to drive and, you know, uh, uh, a lot of water, a lot of mud. And at that altitude, um, I think, you know, everybody up there got a massive headache and it was very, very, very difficult, especially the last uh, 100 k's. But, you know, we managed to get through a pretty good makeup sometime on NASA. Well, those are your sports news at the Sawa. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday. We have to wrap it up right now. We come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Remember, interact with us. You can go to our Channel Africa Facebook page or tweet us at Channel Africa 1. We also have an African Dialogue uh, Twitter. Uh, that's at African Dialogue. And also, you can uh, send us your views via SMS on plus 27823325905. Now, to wrap it up, I have the proverb of the day and this is a Bantu proverb it states the road doesn't tell the traveler what lies ahead the road doesn't tell the traveler what lies ahead that is beautiful I think uh, life is so unpredictable so hey always be on the alert but until tomorrow God bless